WXDXFM, Pittsburgh's Rock and Alternative, and iHeartRadio Station. sports I barely listen to the announcers I wish I could have disciplined myself to not listen last night because holy frig is Jason Witten bad I like Joe Tessitore on play by play Booger McFarland is mostly full of crap but I like his delivery he's folksy kind of like he's at the barber shop Lisa Salters is useless but that's like every single sideline reporter in history it's the nature of the genre But holy frig, and when I say frig, I mean another word that begins with F because that's how strongly I feel. Holy frig, is Jason Witten back. He has all the elocution and diction of Mushmouth from the Cosby Gang. Mostly, you can't understand Witten. But when you can, you wonder, what the heck is he talking about? To harken back to the only color commentator who ever mattered, the late great Howard Cosell. It's the absurdity of the jockocracy. Jason Witt was a good football player, so it's assumed he could bring expert analysis. But the one thing that isn't considered enough is, can he talk? Can he articulate? Jason Witten cannot. If I was an executive at ESPN, a high muckety-muck, I would go to whoever produces Monday Night Football and say, Hey, ba-baba, wa-ba-we-ba-go-ba-do-ba. Loosely translated from mushmouth talk, that means what are we going to do about Jason Witten? Because he sucks. Bears wear boots and you got to believe it. Jason Witten sang this, then you couldn't understand, no. Seriously, Witten is so bad. And when he's on camera, he makes it even worse with the worst hand gestures ever. He's gesticulating like friggin' Mussolini. Fairies Wear Boots brought you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. What did you think of the Mushmouth imitation? That, that's tough to do. I rehearsed it. And that's a direct quote from Mushmouth from IMDB. Hey, ba-baba. Wubba-weeba-go-ba-dooba. By the way, I am told Mushmouth intends to visit Bill Cosby in prison. 412-333-9939. So many great stories, great sidebars from last night's Steelers victory. Here's a couple I'd love to hear your comments on that we haven't gotten to. Because here it is, over an hour into the show, and we haven't talked about everything. Now that's an intriguing football game. Juju Smith-Schuster has had better stats than Antonio Braun in each of the Steelers' three games. Remember I said this. If that continues, it will create problems. At some point... A.B. will super kick Juju through the barbershop window. Nobody out pizzas the hut, and nobody gets to outstat 
AB. I do wonder why his stats are off. I keep hearing that he's being double and triple and quadruple teamed. I think an usher came out of the stands to help cover him. Yeah, but hasn't he always got double and triple and quadruple teamed? Wonder what I think. I think he's a little slow because he's still recovering from that injury in training camp. What was it? A quad injury, right? I think that's part of it. And I think he's 30 years old. I think last year might have been his last peak season. That doesn't mean A.B. can't still be very useful and make big plays like he did last night on that little pass that turned into a big touchdown. But if Juju continues to outstat A.B., I think that's going to eat A.B. alive. So that could be a problem. Chris Boswell, the kicker, he's already a problem. Boswell got big money, but so far this year, he's missed three out of four field goals and two out of 11 extra points. That subpar level of performance can't continue indefinitely. I know that uh, Fowler said there's no way they'd cut Boswell because it would be a big dead money cap it, especially for a kicker, but uh, kickers are disposable and you can't let him kick bad forever. I'm not talking kick it. Uh, cutting him today or tomorrow or next week or the week after. But remember how good Sweesome was? And he got hurt and they brought in Boswell and he was good and they did Sweesome. With kickers, it's always, what have you done for me lately? And, okay, next. Let's go to Tyler in North Hills. Tyler, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's going on, Mark? What up, man? Not much. What do you think about the whole Le'Veon Bell situation? Well, that's a pretty broad question. I think the Steelers would rather he not show up at all this season. And I really don't know what they'll do if he shows up for Game 11 uh, fat and not ready to play football just to get the paycheck. I I think that's the worst-case scenario for the Steelers. And I think at that point they might just uh, withdraw the franchise tag. That's what I'm saying. Did you see that picture of him down on the jet ski in Miami? He doesn't really like it. look like he's in football shape, if you ask me. Oh, no, he's in shape. It's just that that shape is round. Let's go to Pete in Bethel Park. Pete, you're on with Double M. Hey, you there? No, no, I left a half hour ago. Thanks for the oh. call. Let's go to Elliot McKeesport. Elliot, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Um, I got to say, you do the best mush mouth I've ever heard. I listen every day. I would listen twice if you had a mushmouth segment. My question about That's a lot harder to do than oh, you no. want to acknowledge apparently. I did one sentence and it was like uh defecating Tiffany cufflinks. It was tough. Oh, I- I've tried and I can't. So you are once again a better man than me. Hey baby. Wubba weeba gooba dooba. <laughs> My question about the Steelers for you. How long before Ben gets sick of everyone around him either being a distraction or the defense is stinking? I can tell you, if I was a 36-year-old quarterback, I don't know how. I mean, $10 million a year, whatever he makes, yeah, that makes it a More than that. I think Ben takes a lot of pride in trying to overcome the insanity that, it, that, that so often envelops this team. I mean, how good was he last night? When he's amazing. If he's not amazing, if he's even slightly above average, they lose the game. Correct. 
And, and, you know, I used to think that he shouldn't extend the play like he does. And then in the fourth quarter, he steps up in the pocket, ducks three sets of arms, and throws across his body to Juju for a first down. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's the only quarterback in the league that could make that play, make that throw. And he used to live next door to me. How cool is that? Really cool. I would say I think Aaron Rodgers could make the throw also, but it wouldn't look as cool and green. And I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers would have escaped the trap. Fair enough. Thank you for the call. I'm getting a bunch of tweets. I, I have laughed. I may lessen my involvement with Twitter even more. I I haven't responded to anybody that, that I don't follow in, boy, it's got to be seven or eight months now, something like that. Going on a year, I may now just only tweet like twice a day only to plug my blog and the show and my trib column because interacting with the human waste that populates Twitter is just no fun. It really kills your soul. And I get accused of being a racist all the time because in this country now, you can't criticize a person of color without being labeled a racist. But right now I'm being labeled a racist for my mushmouth impersonation. Guess what? Jason Witten's a white guy. I'm comparing him to mushmouth. A white guy. Hey, Babeba. Wubba weeba go badooba. I'm getting better at it. That's not a thing you're necessarily proud to be getting better at, but I am getting better at it. 412-333-9939 up. You know, I've been saying all along that Lev Bell's going to get what he wants. And it only takes one team. But I'm starting to wonder, because I can tell you based on like the past couple weeks, if I ran a football team, whether as owner, GM, or coach, under no circumstances would I want Le'Veon Bell. As I just mentioned, I think the worst case scenario for the Steelers is that Bell shows up at all this season. And I don't know what they'll do when they withdraw the franchise tag, but then he can go anywhere and maybe hurt you. Then again, like I said, he's in shape. That shape happens to be round. How much would he help? I just don't think the guy takes any pride in playing football. And that's a problem. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit here on 105.9 The X. You. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. All hail Finn. All hail Mark Madden. I think that says a lot about my integrity. I love it. I think it's great. Achtung, baby. The X at 105.9. We all know I make fun of fantasy football, but it turns out I'm really good at it. Um. I'm giving you a chance to play me in fantasy football. It's a promotion by Sheets, and I love Sheets, by the way. Yo, Sheets, I live on Washington's Landing. I need a closer location, I. And why did I just say on the air where I live? I've avoided doing that since moving there in 2000. What the frig did I just do? And by frig, I mean, well, you know. So I'm playing fantasy football. I finished 22nd out of over 2,000 entrants. 22nd. I had Fitzmagic. He did good enough. My top scores were Fitzmagic, Gurley, the Chicago defense, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Although on my team, 
you can't dance. You just show up and work. Although I did take Antonio Braun. I expect he'll miss meetings tomorrow. 412-333-9939. If you'd like to play fantasy football against me, uh, you can check it out at 1059thex.com. Okay, even though Lev Bell isn't really a story right now, because I don't think he's ever going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers again. At least I hope he doesn't, and I bet they hope he doesn't too. To repeat, I think now, the way this has played out, the Steelers' worst-case scenario is for Bell to show up week 8, week 10, whenever, and want to join the team. I think they're past it. I think he's over the Steelers but might still want to cash in and has to come in for the last six games to to burn the year. Then again, maybe he's kind of on them just releasing him if he skips the whole season because I think that's what would happen. The Steelers would not want to go through this again. Bell went from having my sympathy to being such an ass in the way he's played this that I have zero sympathy for him at this point, and I think the Steelers will be well rid of him. And I said uh, when all this started, well, before the Steelers found out he wasn't going to show up for week one, but I said back when Bell got franchised for a second time that it would end bad and the Steelers would be better off without him next year. Uh, Their running back position isn't good enough now. It's just not with Connor and Ridley and Samuels. It's okay, but only okay. And it might prevent them from getting to where they want to go. But but next year, if you address it in the third round, and Connor is the number two or splits the duty with that guy you draft in the third round, you'll be fine. More than fine. And you won't have a giant, toxic, getting fatter by the day, pain in the ass, to have to deal with. But uh, his considerable skills duly noted, because no one can say Bell's not great. There are lots of reasons to not trade for Le'Veon Bell or sign him when he does hit free agency. Given his absence from the Steelers and like we've been talking about his sideshow antics in the interim, it's reasonable to wonder how much Bell loves football and if he'll be dedicated to the craft once he gets all that guaranteed money. I think once he gets the deal he wants, he got what he wanted, and now he don't have to be good no more. Bell's toxicity outweighs his talent. Although it might not outweigh him by the time he plays football again. Here's betting Bell is never again the player he was while with the Steelers. Write that down because I said it here. Here's betting Bell is never again the player he was while with the Steelers. Um, here's, here's a great tweet from Shannon Sharp. Uh, Braun didn't adjust to a, a Ben throw. That was on third down, I think, in the fourth quarter. And Ben slammed his helmet down. Shannon Sharp tweeted, A.B., that rod adjustment was discussed when you didn't show up on Monday. Whammy! And you know what? It probably, very literally, was. Let's go to Zeke in South Hill. Zeke, you're on with Double M. Double M, what's up, buddy? What up, man? Hey, 
Hey, hey, man, just a, I want to hear your comment on Le'Veon Bell. He said last year during an interview during the Super Bowl that if he got tagged, he would retire. Do you think he was he was serious? No, he's not going to retire. He might skip this season, but he's not going to retire. And, and plus, which I don't think you could trust a single word Le'Veon Bell says. I don't think he's very bright. I think he changes his mind all the time. I think his mind is addled by marijuana constantly. When that guy talks, I just don't listen. True. Thank you. Let's go to Ken in the car. Ken, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Double M. Hey, I, I don't know if you've discussed this previously, but if he does report, this is Lev Bell, um, and the Steelers deactivate him, could they burn a year and say, hey, we screwed you, you can come back next year for the franchise? Well, they, they would have to pay value this year. They would have to pay now, would, they would have to pay him for the whole year if they deactivate him. They'd have to pay him eight fifty-five k per game for as long as he's under contract this season. The minimum would okay. have to be under contract to burn the year would be six games. Well, technically eight because they could uh, put him on the inactive list uh, for two games. But, again, they don't want to deal with this any longer than they have to. They don't want to keep him next year. They don't want to go through this again with Le'Veon Bell. Let's go to Diane in Economy. That's a nice town. Diane, what's up? Uh, it's Dane, but thanks. Well, thanks for okay, Diane, just talk. <laughs> so you said yesterday that the, you think the league has gone crazy. I couldn't agree with you more. But I think that both the Steelers and the league have allowed this to happen by allowing these players to think so very much of themselves. Do you think... No, I, I think the league has also allowed it to happen by screwing them in the CBA all the time, although certainly the players and their union have to agree to it. But the franchise tag sucks. It keeps free agency from being free. Okay, non-guaranteed contract sucks. Baseball I, I has them. Basketball has them. Hockey has them. And football is by far the most dangerous game. Ergo, the biggest need for guaranteed contracts. Absolutely. Now, do you think that the Lev, Lev Bell situation could be remedied by, you know, the league getting back to more of a team mentality versus a yeah, team that'll that'll happen. That'll happen. I believe they're discussing that in Fantasyland uh, next week. That's where the GM and owners are meeting. They'll just say to the players, "Fellas, we need more of a team mentality." And Lev Bell said, "Yeah, you're right. I'll be at practice tomorrow." Up next, the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media, it's Stan Saverin, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. It is Stan, the man Gable, the Navitas. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. The X at 105.9. I guess the south side caller was Pat McAfee, the former Colts punter. I guess you can take the boy out of Barstool, but you can't take the Barstool out of the boy. Joining me now. He is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. He is Stan Saverin. Stan, are the Steelers back on track, or did they get kind of lucky when Tampa Bay imploded in the first half last night? Yeah, I don't know about the luck part, uh, but I definitely don't think they're, quote, back on track, whatever on track means. 
Um, I think even if they, for example, uh, would have maintained that three-touchdown lead that they built in the first half, I don't know that you could have definitively said, oh, okay, they're back on track, forget what happened in the first two games. I mean, I think we saw enough uh, yet last night, uh, similar to what we saw in the first two games. So there are still issues there. However, um, the way the game is played today and, you know, given the state of this division, hey, given the state of this league, um, they needed a win. Uh, and there, I think there were enough good things there, and it kind of underscored the things that they're capable of doing well um, to, to make it on balance a positive night. Uh, I agree, and I thought the positivity started uh, with what Vance McDonald did. Uh, can McDonald's double-shot stiff arm be a turning point, a rallying point? Because it definitely seemed like a wake-up call. The game kind of turned right there. I agree. I think it was more, I mean, even though they didn't actually tie the game because of the missed extra point, uh, it was it was not only what he did in the stiff arm, uh, but there are two factors. Uh, the, the second, I think the second most important um, uh, for the game itself, let's remember how Tampa got their first touchdown. It came after a turnover and then an easy touchdown, I think a three-play drive, and that was eerily reminiscent of what we have seen so much of this year. A turnover, the defense just being shredded, and you kind of got a here-they-go-again mentality. But the fact that they were able to answer right then and there, even though they didn't tie the game up because of the extra point, I, I again... It wasn't only what McDonald did, it's the timing of the whole thing. And I, I really think um, it got him back equal. If they go three and out on that drive and Tampa gets the ball, and now it's 10 or 14 to nothing, I think you've got a problem. So I think it was the timing, the way they reacted, the way they responded, and from that point on they were virtually unstoppable, at least in the first half. And the second part of that, Mark, I think is really important. I've been talking about this since the exhibition season, and that is they need a third weapon in the pass game. Uh, everybody understands A.B., everybody understands Juju, but they need a third weapon in the passing game. They weren't able to utilize McDonald because, as has been the case for most of the time here, he was hurt, but you've you got to have that third guy. And in some cases, with James Washington, maybe even a fourth guy. Um, as great as Ben is, um, as great as A.B. is, as, as blossoming as Juju can be, I mean, even with the contributions you're getting from James, James Conner, you need that third weapon in the passing game. And if McDonald stays healthy, he can be it because he can stretch a defense and all the double teaming. Go ahead and double team A.B. if you want. There'll be a price to pay for that. Stan, how good did Ben play, especially in the first half? I, I think in the absence of Le'Veon Bell, he is now, by far, more than ever, their most important player. I think he always was. Uh, yeah, but I think the margin has increased. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe by default, um, because the receivers don't go uh, unless Ben goes. Uh, and, of course, he's reliant on them, too. But... Um, I thought that the plays he, if I could boil it down, and I know that Fitzpatrick rallied a bit, uh, but just like I predicted, he became Fitzpatrick, which is what you want. Um, the differences in the game last night, and there were several issues, but for most of the time, Ben under duress was significantly better than Fitzpatrick was. I mean, some of the, th and Fitzpatrick made some nice throws in the fourth quarter. I'm not denying that, but the interceptions that he threw were because they were they were terrible throws. It wasn't great defensive play. Both the two of the three were horrible throws. 
caused by pressure in the pocket. The Steelers were getting after him. Ben, on the other hand, he, he not only does he stand tall in the pocket, he makes plays. Uh, the one throw that he made to Juju, which was at a critical time, uh, was really, I think, the most amazing throw he made all night. Made the, the one across his body, right? Yeah. Exactly, uh, and and you know, I mean that was that was a, a, a key point in the game. They needed to uh, maintain possession, and again, you know, Fitzpatrick rallied a little bit, but and, and they're different quarterbacks, and Ben is big and strong as he is. But I, I really thought that that if you really wanted to boil it down to its lowest common denominator, I really thought that Ben under duress is significantly better than most quarterbacks, and he was better than Fitzpatrick last night. Antonio Brown uh, has been outstated by Juju Smith-Schuster three games in a row. Why are A.B.'s numbers down a bit? And, boy, he won't take that well if it continues, will he? Well, he hasn't in the past, but I think that he is the reason, not to take anything away from Juju, but he is largely the reason that Juju and other people are getting the ball spread around. I mean, I think he should by now understand that, that even when he's not catching 15 balls a game, he's helping the team. That was that was my problem with him. Um, I mean, I assume, stupid me, that it's still a team game, and that if you are drawing attention to yourself, double tar covered, and look, we've seen get triple covered. Someone's going to be open, and Ben will find him. That helps the team. Maybe not his stats. Maybe he won't be on the cover of Madden next year. Uh, not you. I know he's always on your cover. Yeah. But <laughs> but I mean th- that's the point. And, and not take any away from Juju. Uh, but you play with a great receiver, um, you, you know, it's going to benefit everybody. What's that they say, a rising tide lifts all shifts? Um, you look at the great offensive teams, at least to this point, they've all got more than just one multiple weapon. I mean, look at that team last night. Um, Deshaun Jackson um, is a heck of a player. And, oh, by the way, full credit to Joe Hayden. He totally took him out of the game. Now, Mike Evans, on the other hand, but, you know, you got the tight end, O.J. Howard. We saw what Kansas City has. It takes more than one great weapon, uh, and the Steelers have multiple weapons. They need to develop that, and the fact that A.B. is drawing double and triple coverage, sooner or later, teams are either going to have to pay the price with the other two, or they're going to have to drop that double coverage and take their chances with A.B. We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich. Shenderovich and Fishman. Stan, what about all these penalties? 13 penalties on top of 12 the game before, on top of 12 the game before that, and a lot of them are dumb, really dumb. Very dumb. Um, And, and, yeah, we can talk about the roughing the passer, but they were equal. You know, Tampa had two of those, too. Um, It's three games in a row now, uh, and it just doesn't, I mean, it just defies imagination. Uh, it's hard to imagine that it's not addressed at practice. It's hard to imagine it's not addressed in meeting rooms. Tomlin talks about it every week, and yet they occur uh, every week. Uh, look, if a guy jumps offside, that doesn't help you. Uh, it amazes me, and this is throughout the league, why on every single kick return is there a block in the back? How I mean, how simple can it be if you can see the guy's number, don't hit him? I mean, I, I realize it moves quickly out there. And then I think there's the mindless penalties. Um, for example, <clears throat> why is Darius Hayward Bay on the team? Because he plays special teams. So what does he do? He lines up wrong and then argues about it and gets another 15. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of things 
that are just killing this team. They'll kill any team. And it's got to stop. They're, they're not going anywhere if they're going to average 13 penalties a game. I don't care who, how well they play. I don't care who they play. They are not going to go anywhere. Another uh, worrisome factor, Stan, Chris Boswell got the money and has apparently forgotten how to kick, or at least kick like he did. He is one for four on field goals. He's missed two extra points. What do they do about that? I don't get it. Um, that's the one thing about kickers. Uh, I remember uh, Steelers had a kicker. It was right before they signed Jeff Reed, uh, and the guy wasn't kicking worth a darn. And Cowher said, I-, I don't know what to say to him. I mean, nobody, uh, you know, it's like if you're a pitching coach, you have a knuckleballer on your staff. Uh, you know, only those guys know what they're doing. I don't know what. I don't know if it's mechanical. Uh, uh, after the Cleveland game, when he missed the extra point and missed the field goal, um, the next morning he was at the indoor facility kicking 100 balls, 42 yards, exact same length. Of course, he's kicking off turf, and it was raining like crazy in Cleveland. It was a little sloppy last night. Um, I don't know. Uh, but remember what the margin of victory for them was last year when they went 13-3. and What, did he win three games in a row at the buzzer uh, with field goals? Um uh, you know, they're and not... there were five games decided by three points or less, and he figured heavily into every result. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and they're not dominant enough where they're going to beat teams by 21 points. There are going to be a lot of games that are going to be decided like that. I mean, I still don't think you lose faith, faith in them. Um, you know, sometimes there's, who knows, a, a hitch in a swing. Uh, I don't know if he's got the yips. I don't know what his problem no, no, is. No, Stan, I don't think you lose faith in him, let alone cut him. But what if in four weeks the problem still hasn't solved itself? I think by signing with the contract, I think that they're stuck with them. I think you're probably right, but boy, I don't know. I've always thought a kicker's is disposable, and perhaps the contract uh, will turn out to be a mistake. Uh, Stan, before we wrap up, I got to ask you a couple things about that Steeler defense. Did the defense play any better? It, it collapsed in the second half, but at least it got some takeaways. At least it contributed. Yeah, I mean, it did, um, and I think it was um, uh, aggressive. Uh, I asked the question today and, and got a non-answer, but it sure seemed to me like a they pressured a lot more and they used they they pressured more and with more people. I saw on multiple occasions linebackers and defensive backs coming after Fitzpatrick. And as I said, um, it's not only the sacks, it pressured him into bad throws. The two interceptions, the one to uh, Bud Dupree, uh, I don't know who he was throwing to, but it came with a good rush. The other one that Edmonds intercepted was 10 yards overthrown. Um, You know, The other one was created by Bostick, who batted the ball up in the air, created an interception. I think that they had it in mind that they were going to come after uh, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe part of that issue is they know that they can't cover, um, and and so they're going to try uh, a different uh, play. I would expect them to try the same thing with Flacco, who doesn't move very well. Uh, but there's a negative to that. There's no panacea uh, for pass defense. I think part of the problem in the fourth quarter is when they began to pick up the blitz. That then puts a lot of pressure on your secondary people because if you blitz, that means you're in man-to-man coverage back there, and now you're relying on coverage skills, and I think they began to get burned. So um, they got great pressure. I think they were more aggressive. I think they were, they were more active, but sometimes there's a price to pay for that. Stan, what are they going to do in the secondary? I-, I thought Hayden had a great presence and performance last night. He's obviously the glue guy, like I so often say. But Artie Burns has apparently been beaten up by Cody Sensabaugh. 
And when Burns did play, uh, 20-some snaps last night, he got burned and burned again. Uh, one touchdown and one 51-yard pass. What's going on with him? Because if he's a bust, boy, they're going to be just making do at corner all season. Yeah, and that's where they were before they drafted Artie Burns, and it hasn't gotten a whole lot better. If you remember some of the guys they were trotting out you know, back in those days. Um, the two schools of thought here. Uh, to me, just because you're a number one pick and because you have some promise and you have some athletic skills, if you're not performing, um, you know, this isn't college. If you're not performing, you know, the, the, the game, the team is at stake. Uh, I'm not so sure, however, if the alternative is Cody Sensabaugh, that by rotating the two of them, that you're doing yourself any favors. Number one, it can lead to, you know, communications have been a big issue with them. If you're using two different guys there, I think you're increasing your chances of having communication issues. And really, what are you getting? You're not even getting the best of both worlds. Um, I don't know. Uh, It's a conundrum. You keep playing Artie Burns. I mean, clearly he's the more talented of the two. I mean, Cody Sensabaugh is an also-ran. I mean, he's just, you know, a roster guy. Uh, So... You go to Burns and say, look, we're going to have to work with you and hope you get better because really he hasn't been this bad uh, in his career. Um, or do you say, we can't put you out there if you can't play, but then what's your alternative? Are you better sticking with Burns and hoping, work with him, hoping that it'll improve? Or do you try just try to mix and match and hope for the best? Stan, great stuff as always. We'll do it again on your show Thursday. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. That's the great Stan Saverin. I'm the almost as great Mark Madden. In just a moment, I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Go ahead. You can say it because it's true. It's damn true. Hey, Mark. Love the show. Thank you for making my day. Yeah. The X at 105.9. Here's some breaking news. Chris Conte, the safety for Tampa Bay. Vince McDonald knocked ass over tea kettle last night with that double shot stiff arm. He's been put on injured reserve with a blowed-up knee. He stiff-armed him in the head, and the impact trickled down to his knee. That's one heck of a stiff arm. Joining me now, brought to you by 84 Lumber, it's uh, Bob McLaughlin. Bob, do you think that was the best stiff arm ever, Uh, the one delivered last night uh, by Vance McDonald? It was a two-for-Tuesday. A two-piece and a biscuit. A double shot. It was violent as F. Maybe not the best one ever, Mark, but it was the one I enjoyed the most, the one I got the most out of. Dare I say, Mark, it was a family event. My wife was making dinner. My son was watching with me. My daughter was in the other room. I called them all together. We enjoyed it multiple times thanks to the magic of DVR. And, yes, we were laughing out loud. I mean, I have never seen a stiff arm like that. I've never seen a stiff arm result in a play or a touchdown like that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Do you think that was a rallying cry for the season? Because at the very least, it was a rallying cry for last night. Uh, like Stan Saverin said, the Steelers were on 7 nothing. It was another flat start. McDonald made it 7-7, and the Steelers played with a new level of intensity after that. Yeah, well put. Uh, I'll agree with that 100%. Um, it was a statement play. Uh, you know, the Bucks had gotten off to a nice start. They had the home crowd going. But that play energized the Steeler fans, and obviously there was a ton of them there. And it just took over from there. The first half was theirs after that play. And look, if things turn around from their mark, 
yeah, you could get me in week eight, week 10, week 12, saying that that was the turnaround point because it sure sparked them last night. A couple issues worth discussing despite the victory. Antonio Braun got outstatted for a third straight game by Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm sorry, call me a cynic, Bob, but I think that can't help but cause problems if it continues. Uh, I can't uh, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I can see that happening because of past precedent. You know, we, hey, look, the way he acts and some of the stuff that he pulls, because he's not getting his. Now, last night he got his touchdown, and again, that was an unbelievable move. Two moves. Uh, I Boy, I don't see how he got into the end zone with that deep safety there, but he ran right around him, and that's what A.B. does. Maybe that satiated him last night. Maybe that made him happy enough for that game and the win, but you're right. If it's not A.B., he's not a main part of the story. You may see a water cooler get trashed or, you know, a sideline blow up here or there. Like I said, Bob, you may see A.B. kick Juju through the barbershop window. Yeah. Fans of WWE will, will know exactly what I'm talking about. Bob, what about all the penalties? 13 last night after taking 12 in each of the first two games. Now, I know they're overcalling the roughing the passer, but each team got two last night, so that wasn't a factor, and knocked those two penalties out, and the Steelers still took 10, excuse me, 11. You're not going to win more than you lose taking all those penalties. You simply are not, and they do it so cavalierly, like Sean Davis running the guy out of bounds. And Darius Hayward Bay taking the unsportsmanlike at a crucial point in the game on a punt. And Jordan Dangerfield committed a penalty on the opening kickoff. When at least you figure, okay, let's not take a penalty on the opening kickoff. And I can't believe somebody ain't got cut. Uh, it's unbelievable. Every time, you know, I just, I loathe kicks in the NFL right now, Mark, because you know that the hanky's coming out. You know that there's going to be some ridiculous, just absolutely visible foul on a, on that, that kick, whether it's a punt, whether it's a kickoff to start the game. Uh, it, it's just awful. And, you know, the other ones, a lot of the other penalties, and I know you said throw away the roughing the passer ones. You had a horse collar with Bentz. Didn't need to do that. Now, that's kind of a close call. I didn't think he got him from up around the pad area. I thought he got more of the jersey. And then another one, Vince was chasing Fitzpatrick down later on in the fourth, and Fitzpatrick slid. Vince Williams still fell on him. I could not believe they didn't call that one. It was that close. Well, what Vince said after the game, Vince Williams, it just sums up the Steelers' problem with lack of discipline. He said, I'm going to hit the quarterback like I always do and let the chips fall where they may. In other words, if I get 15, hey, that's what I do. That's Vince Williams taking a me attitude when it should be a we attitude. And there's too many guys like that on the Steelers. But if you're going to tolerate it, at least let it be from the stars. A a jabroni like Vince Williams has no room saying that. And bums like Hayward Bay and Dangerfield have no business taking the penalties they did. Yeah, they got to clean it up. There's got to be consequences. And one last thing on Vince saying that in the public eye. What are you doing? Even if you think that, you don't say that for all of football media, including the officials who pretty much follow that stuff, to see that. Because now, now they know what your intent is. I can tell you why he says it, Bob. Because he's a clown. He should wear really big shoes. Well, it certainly doesn't help, even if it's close now. If they see that quote, if they know that quote, which way do you think that call's going to go? Bob, you know the advantage that he has? 
The referees don't know who Vince Williams is. Nobody really does. Until he says that. And, you know, no, they'll, they'll say, who's this guy? Number what? That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds. Going to talk about these penalties. Going to talk about what to do. Going to talk about Darius Hayward Bay. 105.9 The X.